You are listening to Gaining Christ Audio, a ministry designed to teach the absolute truth of God from the Bible to encourage you in your knowledge of God, as well as your confidence, gratitude, and faithfulness in Him, or so that you will hear the true gospel, come to genuine faith in Christ Jesus, and receive eternal life from God if you have not already. Welcome and thank you for joining us in this podcast as we conclude our series on the grace of God. We will now consider a very common question asked when God's grace is honestly studied. That being, how do I know if I have been chosen by God? As we begin, I would like to apologize for the sound of my voice. I was hit with the flu virus a couple of weeks ago, and although I'm healed, I'm still carrying the residue or evidence of that. I will do my best to speak clearly and not be such a distraction. Throughout this series, we have tried our best to demonstrate and prove through the Bible that salvation is 100% the byproduct of God's sovereign grace, that the grace of God necessarily and effectually permeates every step, layer, and aspect of a person's eternal life and then some. The grace of God, the exceedingly generous and merciful, loving kindness of God given by God to an undeserving recipient. It is personal. God's grace is proactive. God's grace is sovereign, comprehensive, perfect, and eternal, as the Bible clearly states. Romans chapter 8 Verse 29 and 30, as we've read before, Paul writes, For those whom God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. And those whom God predestined, he also called. And those whom God called, he also justified. And those whom God justified, he also glorified. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. Paul writes, we should always give thanks to God for you, brothers, loved by the Lord, because from the beginning, God chose you for salvation through the sanctification of the Spirit and belief in the truth. To this, God called you through our gospel in order that you would share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Two passages clearly saying the same thing about God's grace. As David writes in Psalm 5-7, Through the abundance of your steadfast love, hesed or grace, O Lord, I will enter your house. In our last episode, we looked at the 10 most common questions that are asked whenever a person truly considers the grace of God or even debates against the grace of God with our last question, number 10, being an extremely frequently asked and very important question, which is, how do I know, how do I truly know if I have been chosen by God? How do I know if I have been chosen by God for eternal life? And we answered quickly, well, you know if you have genuine faith in Christ. 
or you come to genuine faith in Christ because God's grace is what causes people, according to the Bible, to come to genuine faith in Christ. But this question deserves far more analysis and detail than just that, especially since it's hard to know what true faith in Christ actually is in our world where there's so many legalistic, grace-denying, man-centered messages which permeate through the Christian landscape, unfortunately. And as the Bible says, Peter writes, being the recipient of God's grace is not something to be taken lightly or taken for granted. Peter writes in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 10, be eager to make your calling and election sure. In other words, be eager and earnest to know if you truly are the recipient of God's sovereign grace. Therefore, this question, how do I know if I have truly received God's grace and that I'm chosen by God, is a wise and appropriate and excellent question. And we will answer this question looking at Scripture from Paul's letter first letter that he wrote to the Thessalonians 2,000 years ago, a real letter written by Paul to encourage them in various ways, and he actually addresses this question. I will not read the entire passage first. I'll just read it in chunks as we go through. Here is what Paul writes. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, starting in verse 2. We give thanks to God always for you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen carefully. Verse 4, we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you. Now, Paul will go into the evidence of a person who has been chosen by the grace of God for salvation. How do we know that God has chosen you? Because, here's what he first says now in verse 5, because the gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. There are many who live thinking that because they've heard the gospel and they believe it to be true, that that means that they're saved. That just simply accepting the intellectual facts or truth that Jesus is the Son of God and died on the cross, that by believing that intellectually, in word only, they think they're saved. Or people think that they're the recipients of God's grace because they go to a church, maybe they're a member. Or they've said a prayer where they've requested that God save them And they've maybe invited, quote unquote, Jesus into their heart. And then furthermore, even maybe have been baptized. They said, I'm a Christian, I'll be baptized. But these things, which are a good start if they're true, are not evidence that a person is a recipient of grace. Even Jesus says, being very loving and clear to his audience in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. 
Only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Just because a person knows Jesus is Lord, just because they've requested salvation from him, just because they've said a prayer or they believe the facts, they go to a church and maybe have even been baptized, this does not mean that they are necessarily the recipient of God's grace. Because as we see here, when grace comes to a person, the evidence of a person being the recipient of God's grace and being chosen by God is that the word, the gospel comes not only in word, but in power, also by the power of the Holy Spirit with full conviction. There is a radical change that happens to a person, not only in their mind and their wishes, but in their whole person. They have full conviction that the gospel is true in their desperate need of it because they've been convicted of their sin against a holy God. And they understand at some point, at least, their desperate need for God's mercy. And they know that Christ Jesus is the Savior and that his merits alone, his work on the cross and his perfect life credited to the believer is that person's eternal life. This is a byproduct of God's grace. God does not give grace simply to have a person accept facts or do some sacrament or make a prayer. He's changing lives. You must be born again. This is why Jesus says you must be born again. And Paul, for example, says that God in his loving grace will cause a person to be made alive again. And then the power of God by the Holy Spirit that awakens us with full conviction takes over and causes us to be radically different as people than we were before we were saved. 2 Corinthians 5.14, For the love of Christ controls us so that those who live, believers in Christ, may no longer live for themselves. This is what we all did. This is what I did. This is what Paul did. We live for ourselves in our own protection and promotion. But now we live for him who for our sake died and was raised. There is a radical transformation. You're not perfect yet, but God changes you. The power of God comes over. People say, just say this prayer. Welcome to the family of God. My friend, please do not assume that because you've said a prayer or invited Jesus in your life that you've actually received Christ in your life because it is power with conviction from the Holy Spirit and it is clear. Please, I do not say this to be rude, to be judgmental, to be critical. I say this out of love because the Bible emphasizes the need to be careful in our own analysis. Investigate your heart and know if you've truly come to faith in Christ Jesus and you are now serving him and following him over yourself. Secondly, Paul will say in verse 6, and furthermore, you became imitators of us and of the Lord. This is the number one evidence that a person is a recipient of God's grace, that they've been chosen for salvation and furthermore been reborn into salvation in time, that he or she becomes an imitator of Christ, truly living as Jesus lived in holiness and faith and trust, obedience to God and in ministry. This is not just a word only 
I believe information. Jesus says in John 12, starting in verse 24, here's what he says. Listen, truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and it dies, it remains by itself alone. But if it dies, it produces a plentiful harvest. Speaking about agriculture, obviously, one grain, if you throw it in the ground and it dies and it germinates, it turns into a big plant of wheat with heads of grain that is fruitful. And he's talking about his own life because he's about to be sacrificed and killed for the sins of God's people. So unless he dies and is put into the ground and raised, then there's no hope for anyone and God is alone. Only the Trinity exists. But if he dies, there's a plentiful harvest. But here's what he says. Whoever loves his life will lose it. And whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, my father will honor him. The reason God gives his grace to people to save them is not simply to get us on the list of going to heaven one day when we die, which is certainly a big part of it, but to change us, to use us, and to make us like Christ, to be his disciples, to be imitators and live like Christ. Jesus says, follow me. The grace of God is a complete takeover, and it changes the heart. Question, has your heart and life been changed by God? That is evidence. If so, that his grace has come to you. And furthermore, not only are we imitators of the Lord and other true believers like Paul, but we receive the word with joy of the Holy Spirit. True joy, contentment, and peace is further evidence that a person is a recipient of grace. Paul writes about the faith being the joy of the faith. Paul in, in Philippians chapter 1 Verse 25 in Philippians 4, verse 11, Paul talks about having learned the secret of contentment regardless of his circumstances. In other words, whatever condition he's in in life, whether it's with plenty and provision or he is in a very difficult suffering circumstance, he's content. Why? Because God's supernatural grace has taken over. He's been reborn. He has hope in God. He knows the truth. And he lives enjoying contentment. One of the biggest problems throughout the Christian church is that many Christians do not live in joy. They live in anxiety and fear and worry. There's just a lack of joy. And why is this? Why is there joy lacking in the Christian church? Well, quite frankly, because some of the people who think they're Christian are not yet born again. And others simply do not know the grace of God. They do not understand how powerful and marvelous God's grace is to because people are still held by legalistic burdens, thinking that your salvation is a combination of what Jesus did plus your good works, or that, that Christ has given to people for us to accumulate an abundance of great things in this world according to the world as if your best life is now, as some heretically teach, that Christ is your means to worldly provision and enhancements. And if you live 
and, the, and that misguided thought, then you won't live in joy because your focus is on thing accumulation rather than God and his treasure of spiritual life and knowing God. Or if you don't know God's grace, you're going to live in the hamster wheel of legalism, thinking that the responsibility for your salvation is ultimately on your shoulders, when in fact, it's been all put on Christ and a person's salvation who's truly saved. They know that the merits of righteousness is a gift from God because of the merits of Jesus Christ and all of their sin has been paid for and grace proves this and teaches this. This is what God does. If you're holding on to legalism or you're bound in that wheel, well, you don't know if you have salvation based on have you done enough good in your life, then you probably do not know yet the grace of God and you cannot have confirmation that God has chosen you. Come to the truth of Christ Jesus in the gospel and experience the freedom and the knowledge of God and his loving, securing, potent grace. And Paul even says that the joy that believers have who have received the grace of God have joy even in affliction, even in suffering, there's joy. And someone say, well, how can this be? How can a person have joy in suffering? Well, for starters, because the person that's received God's grace is aware that God is sovereign and all things that happen are ultimately in his control, that he either causes or allows everything that happens in our life. And so you live in peace, even though things are difficult, because you know that God has ultimately willed the situation. And God will work in the situation for his will and our best. Because we know that God even uses affliction and suffering and persecution for our spiritual well-being. Just like James writes in James chapter 1, verse 2. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you experience trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And let perseverance have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. There are people, I've heard this, they get mad at God when things get difficult. Or there's extreme pain or loss in their life. And they literally get mad at God. Why do people get mad at God? because they do not understand God's sovereign grace. And so they're expecting God to always deliver these peaceful, peaceful, beautiful accumulating of things results in their life. When they don't get what they want, they're like the little baby in Walmart crying when they don't get their lollipop, or they do not understand the grace of God. But when God's grace comes into our lives, we realize that God in his sovereignty will use the pain of this world, even he himself will inflict it for our well-being. And this brings contentment and joy and hope in a person's life. This is not an immediate understanding when a person's born again, but in time this will accumulate this knowledge and trust and gratitude in God's grace as time goes on. A byproduct of God's supernatural grace and spiritual rebirth. Praise the Lord. And then furthermore, as Paul says in verse 7, you became examples to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. Verse 8, for not only has the word of God, the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere. 
when a person has received God's grace and the evidence of God's grace in a person's life, their life reveals the evidence of God's favor in their life through genuine faith. People become examples of the Christian life to other believers, and faith dem- their faith is demonstrated by what they do. Within yourself first, you know within yourself that God has taken you over. You know that you're different. You know that your mindset and your thoughts and your wishes and your goals are changing to be more like Christ, but also to others. There's evidence, there's fruit in a person's life that they have been grabbed and changed and saved by God. See, salvation, true faith in Christ is more, again, this must be emphasized, more than just acceptance of information. I know Jesus died on the cross, and he is the Son of God and the Savior, and I believe that. And a lot of people are hoping that they have God's grace by simply believing that. But faith is far more than that, and there's evidence to other people. Some would say, my faith is personal. It's private. I just keep it to myself. But this is not true. This is not God's intent for faith. Not according to God or according to the the Bible is faith personal and kept private. Because Jesus says, you are the light of the world. Matthew 5, verse 14, a city on a hill cannot be hidden. So a person that has received God's grace does not hold the truth of God and the results of God in their life to themselves only. It's more than just a private walk in a church membership that you stay to yourself. It will ring forth. And this is what Paul says, furthermore, that evidence of a person's reception of God's grace is seen in the fact that they are eager to share the gospel of Christ with others. This is one of the clear evidences, and I see this happen soon after a person is truly saved by God. One of the things they want is they want their friends and loved ones and family to hear the gospel too, so they also can receive God's grace. And this doesn't mean that they have to be the evangelist or the teacher, but they want the gospel to go forth. But as Paul says here, here's how we know that God's chosen you. Verse 8 is that the word of Lord sounded forth from you. And this is what happens, is that God will cause people to communicate the truth in a very needy world. Why? Why is this the case? Well, first of all, because you love God and you want to honor him and his truth, but you also love other people. And in your love, you want them to have the very best in life, which is salvation, eternal life from God and eternal life in the kingdom of heaven and the forgiveness of God through Christ Jesus. And you will do what you can to help others hear this. God gives us spiritual gifts. Not everyone is a preacher or an evangelist or a teacher of the Bible, but there's many spiritual gifts that God gives in his grace to every believer. Some are different than others, but everyone has spiritual gifts to be used in the mission of declaring the greatness of God for the honor of God and the salvation of other people. Peter writes in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, 
You are a chosen race, talking about true believers, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of God who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. This is the intent of God's grace. When God takes over a person and yields them salvation because he chose that person eternity past, one of the clear evidences is they're now going to proactively try to help others hear and believe the gospel. And then further evidence in verse 9, Paul writes this, for they, other believers, report what kind of reception we had among you and how you turned to God from idols. Here's further evidence. Before a person saved, he is spiritually dead. She doesn't understand the truth. She's willing and vulnerable to believe any religious or f- message or philosophy taught to her. They'll, they'll pray to false gods. They'll pray to things. They'll try many things to be in the truth, or they'll even deny that God exists to simply try to make sense of this life. And people are all enslaved to not knowing God and what this world offers as truth in a counterfeit manner, and one is from idols. But one of the evidences of faith is that people turn away from idolatry. This could literally be praying to false gods of false religions or statues of gods. There are people that I know that pray to statues made by man and out of wood or silver of gods, and they pray to them or images of people who are now dead. People pray to these people for power and favor. Why do people do this? Because they do not know God personally. Because if they knew God, they would know that these idols are worthless. No offense, but true. The true God has the power. No need to pray to someone who's dead as if you could pray to them anyway and ask for favor in some kind of way. God has all the sovereign results. You know God personally. In Christ, you go to God with confidence, humility, confidence in prayer. And you've also turned from the idolatry that I and and every believer has in this world, the desire for position and power and accumulation in this world, which that's just idolatry of things of the world. And your desire now is to accumulate the riches and the truth and the treasure of God. And furthermore, verse 9, to serve the living and true God. Serving God truly is clear evidence that a person has been chosen by God and has received the grace of God. Again, the obedience and the Christ-like walk in ministry for God's glory is evidence, not the legalistic service of good works that are ultimately done for oneself. Hear me out on this. Many people are doing good works in their communities and doing charitable things because ultimately they're not serving the best interests of others and God. They're serving themselves because they've been told and they believe that salvation or eternal life 
is, is, is given or earned through good works. So they will do things that help other people in the community, but simply to score points for themselves with God, which you can't score anyway, or to preserve or maintain or regain or perpetuate eternal life with God, as if you lose it every time you don't do right. That's what people are taught. But when the grace of God has come in your life, as hopefully you know, you're now free in love to truly serve the living God and his purposes because you love God and you love others and your efforts and your ministry works are genuinely for the well-being of other people, not for you to somehow score points in this wishless, hopeful, legalistic climb into heaven, which never will get you there. Jesus says to his disciples in John 15, verse 8, By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Verse 16, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide, meaning last eternally, being eternal fruit. When the grace of God has been given, because God in eternity past chose you, and now he's given and taken you over, you are now free to serve God truly, not to maintain your salvation, but to live out your salvation in Christ. Good works, as James emphasizes, are the evidence of faith. True faith, true grace, true salvation in Christ is evidenced by genuine works for God and the well-being of other others. And lastly, Paul says in verse 10, here's evidence. You are now waiting for his son, God's son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath of come. One of the telltale signs of of genuine salvation and the reception of God's grace is that one becomes more and more eager and wanting for the return of Christ Jesus because they want to be with Christ. They want to be in his glory. They want to be in the kingdom of heaven and they want this pain to be over. That is evidence. The more a person wants Christ to return and the more a person wants to be in the kingdom now is further evidence of God's grace. As Peter writes in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13, set your hope completely on the grace of God that will be brought to you at the revelation of Christ Jesus. Paul says in Philippians 3, our citizenship is in heaven and from heaven we eagerly await a Savior the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the hope and climax of the life of every believer, the return of Christ where we are glorified and taken all of us in to the kingdom of heaven. Let me ask you this question. Are you eager, craving, wanting, contemplating, and hopeful in the second coming of Christ genuinely in your heart? That is evidence of God's grace. The only thing that would want a person to delay the return of Christ is because they love others and they want to see other people saved. 
But God is sovereign. He will save who he has determined to save. The return of Christ is a hope forever for every believer. Real quickly, there's a few other evidences we want to point out, not articulated specifically in this passage. Number one, the Holy Spirit testifies. This is what Paul says in Romans 8, 16. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. There's some eternal communication that God gives to those he saves to confirm that they are the recipients of his grace. This is not arrogant to know this. This is God's will. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, John writes, 1 John 5.13, so that you may know that you have eternal life. God wants to confirm that we are his, and he gives supernatural communicative grace by the Holy Spirit to testify that we are his. This doesn't mean that you may not have doubts and you may not need to step back and evaluate, as Peter says, make your calling and election sure, be eager to know this is true, but ultimately you know that you are God's son or daughter and the recipient of his grace. And the genuine love that you now have in your heart for God and others especially the believers, is evidence. Jesus says, John 13, 35, by your love for one another, all people will know that you are truly my disciples. Love, true love, the genuine desire for another person's best and your involvement in that, no matter what happens to you, is evidence that God's grace has taken you over and you live your life more and more consumed in wanting the things of God and growing in the knowledge of God and his word. As Peter says, grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Evidence that you are growing in the word and the knowledge of the truth and understanding God's mysterious will is evidence. Praise the Lord. Some would say, what should I do if I'm not convinced that I actually have received God's grace even now, or I'm further convinced I haven't? What should I do? Well, here's what you should do. Go to God and ask him for his mercy. Ask him if he will give you mercy and give you the grace to open your heart and give you genuine faith in Christ to truly forgive your sins and give you the grace to follow Christ Jesus. If you are already saved and it's clear, what should you do? Embrace the truth of God's grace. It's so beautiful, life-changing. It'll give you joy and satisfaction, and it'll give you more fruit in your labor because you trust in God rather than your own mechanics or abilities to bring results in people's lives. And if you are a person listening, called by God to preach and teach the gospel, please teach the truth of God's grace. It is exceedingly God-honoring, and it's what God wants people to hear. Granted, it may offend people, but our job is not to not offend people. Our job is to honor God and His truth and bring the truth so that the true gospel will have its effect and will do the work that God sends it to do. Well, praise the Lord. We hope that this podcast or any part of the series as a whole proves to be encouraging in your life. Thank you very much for listening. Spread the word.